0: Welcome into the Bears Illustrated Podcast, presented by BearsIllustrated.com, your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. I'm Ferdinand Malampati, alongside Andrew Miner. We've got a full slate for you on the show today, starting with a recap and our thoughts on the Baylor-Texas State football game, which Baylor dominated score-wise, but maybe not so much on the field for the entire 60 minutes. In segment two, we'll be talking about the state of the Big 12 as we enter Big 12 play this upcoming weekend. And then in segment three, we will give a look ahead to how Baylor could potentially stay on track to be in the college football playoff race down the line heading into the home stretch of the season. But Andrew, let's start with Saturday's Baylor Texas State game. Baylor ended up winning 42 to 7. But it wasn't it wasn't that much of a blowout for the entire game. The first half was was pretty close.
1: Yeah, 42 to 7. Bears did what they needed to do to get the win over the Bobcats, good bounce back win after the loss against BYU, but um to your point, it was a very sloppy game. Uh Bear Baylor had three turnovers. Um, they didn't really get a, a great pass rush going on against Texas State, and their secondary looked weak, um, just basically allowing Texas State to do whatever they wanted to get down the field. And in the first half, it was, you know, it was uh, it was fourteen nothing, and then Texas State pin, you know, went for it on fourth like fourth and goal. Um, didn't didn't get it right, so Baylor's backed up against their own end zone. I think this was a, just a pivotal you know, momentum turning point, uh, where the pendulum swung twice, but Blake Shapin, who hadn't looked great all first half made a perfect, perfect throw to Seth Jones on the edge, caught it for a first down, it was ruled a catch upon video re- review. They said no incomplete, didn't complete the process of a, of a catch. I mean, that's, that's beyond me. It definitely felt like a uh, Megatron Calvin Johnson against the bears. Um, you know, way, way back in the uh, many years ago in the NFL, um, just, a, just a bad call. But Texas State got it, uh, got it back with a punt, came all the way down the field, scored a touchdown. And then Craig Williams muffed the ensuing kickoff, and they were at the four-yard line for the second straight drive. Uh, and that's when I think Baylor really took over. And it was a pivotal drive because all of a sudden they used a two-minute drill and like clockwork, they were able to get down the field. And then finally, on a bootleg on fourth and one, Blake Shapin was able to take it 35 yards to the house uh, to to give Baylor some breathing room going into the second half. And uh, fortunately, you know, for for Baylor fans, that that kind of like eased the tension. I think Dave Miranda said there was a lot of tension at uh, at, at halftime, a lot of uncharacteristic things being said. But I would say that sequence right there was kind of the defining moments uh, in the game. And fortunately for Baylor, it went uh, it went their way.
0: Yeah, I I kind of expected that Baylor would blow out Texas State, as did everyone, because it was obviously a lesser opponent. But coming off a tough loss like they took at BYU with a late-night game, one that's emotionally wrenching, and then a week before heading into Big 12 play against Iowa State, I think it was Emmanuel Asha who said it, on air after the game, he said, this is a prototypical prototypical trap game. You're between two big games playing a lesser opponent who you might take lightly. And honestly, Baylor came out of the gate. So I didn't get a chance to watch the first half, but I went back and watched. the. They have like the every play of the game. So I went back and watched that. And Baylor came out the gate swinging. They went down on the very first drive of the game and it was very solid. Went all the way down for a touchdown. And so it seemed like there was no – they weren't taking Texas State lightly. But then their play kind of went downhill from there. But like you said, the two-minute drill at the end of the first half got Baylor going. And then they they thoroughly dominated the second half. Um, And one player we've got to talk about is Richard Reese, who exploded yesterday. His stat line was nineteen carries, one hundred and fifty-six yards, three touchdowns, with his longest run going for fifty-two yards. He's got to be the number one back moving forward for Baylor. I know they 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 will likely go to a running back by committee type thing, but but Richard Reese has got to be the number one guy.
1: I I agree. I th- he looks like the dude, but I I do think it's going to be running back by committee. That right now they have Baylor has four running backs. Um, with Reese, Tamek Williams, Craig Williams, and um, Quaylan Jones, who should all be able to do significant damage uh, at any given point for Baylor uh, and help give blows for each other. Uh, but I would, I would definitely argue that Reese should get the majority of the carries, 100%. Yeah. And with, with all due respect to Emmanuel Acho, I, I disagree. I don't think this game met the definition of a, a, of a trap game. Uh, maybe a, a letdown game, but to me a trap game is is when you're looking ahead to an opponent. Um, I don't think Baylor's looking ahead to Iowa State. I would say this game was more of a potential letdown game, um, where one loss could become two. Uh, usually, a letdown game is when you're playing someone uh, after a really big, emotionally draining uh, game. Uh, you come back and then you kind of let down again a trap game is more hey we have number five oklahoma the next week but first we have to play kansas that's what a trap game is uh by my definition so with all due respect i I disagreed with that statement in the in the post game
0: i agree with you and texas state simply isn't good enough of a team to i i think truly be a trap game if it was a kansas or someone like texas state baylor wasn't going to lose that game it, but, it wasn't on the
1: road. It was more of a letdown game than than trap game. And again, I don't think Baylor's looking ahead to Iowa State. But with that said, I guess, big game in Ames. Big game in Ames.
0: Big game in Ames for sure. And it's going to be important for that offense to get going, which is going to need Khalil Keith back on the offensive line to succeed in the Big 12. If If Khalil Keith and Ben Sims come back healthy, Baylor's going to have a very good offense, especially with the emergence of Richard Reese, a true freshman. And Blake Shapin, I, th- I think he'll be fine. Blake Shapin looked good in the second half. He made some really good throws. There was one throw. It wasn't a long throw, but he was kind of rolling out to the right. He had to turn around and throw across his body, all the way across the field. It was only two like, The throw was to a receiver only two yards past the line of scrimmage. But it was a very long throw. It was a tough throw, and it was really good. And those are, those are the types of throws that we're going to need him to make. Those are the types of decisions we're going to need him to make. And I, I'm confident he'll be good. I think the success of this offense comes down to whether we can get back Khalil Keith and Ben Sims. And, of course, Monterey, Monterey Baldwin will be very helpful as well. But in my eyes, it's Keith and Sims that are the two two big key pieces.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to note that Baylor was not hundred percent healthy yesterday and they still found a way to to dominate um Texas State. And you bring up a good point about Shapin. I think he definitely settled down a little bit um after that inter- after Baylor's first drive in the second half where he threw an interception. But again, that was on fourth fourth down, so he had to throw it somewhere, otherwise he's taken a sack and they turn it over on downs. Um so that's kind of a moot point, but he looked good after that and then got the, uh, touchdown completion to Gavin Holmes as, as well. Um, so I, I think he's fine, but yeah, he didn't, you know, he, I think definitely in the first half for sure, he left a lot of things to be desired. Um, but hopefully he'll just continue to improve and, uh, hopefully the coaches will continue to use him on, on those rollouts, bootlegs, misdirection, use Blake shaping his legs, which he did a lot. Uh, against Texas State, which it seemed like Baylor was refusing to do so against BYU. I didn't know, um, I was wondering if you noticed anything like that, or if you had any thoughts on, you know, him using his legs more this weekend.
0: Wonderful. So, I, I'm not sure how I would compare it to the the game against BYU, but... I do have Blake Shapin's rushing stats in front of me. And he had three carries, but they went for 42 yards and a touchdown. Um, so it was only three carries. I, he wasn't used too much more in the rushing game, but he was more effective, which which is important.
1: Yeah, they also used him rolling out to get him to, to throw some short passes, I thought, too. So while maybe he didn't run them, uh, they did get him moving outside the pocket, you know, upon the snap, and then he completed a short pass to a receiver, almost like an effective running play, um, but it's it goes down as a pass.
0: The rollout is something that is going to be important for Baylor yeah. to use with shape, and he's really good at that. And you need to mix in some different things. The rollout is one of those things that is going to keep defenses off balance, and we need to keep using that. But if any Baylor fans are having regrets or concerns about the fact that Baylor chose Blake Shapin over Gary Bohannon, if you think Blake Shapin doesn't look that good, I'm going to say that it, w- it was still the right decision. And yesterday I was watching some of that USF Florida game, and Gary looked like a, like a pretty solid quarterback. But there was, there was a throw I watched where it was an easy slant, all he had to do was was make the throw and he double clutched he ended up throwing a pick six, which was a huge was a huge factor in that game which u s f ended up losing by three um just like some of those some of those things that seem simple but are really important Blake Shapin does better on a play to play basis
1: yeah i th- I think that's very fair I don't think you know i mean. We're not here to second guess. I, I don't think the wrong decision was made in camp, um, and and Gary Bohannon was maybe a little bit more turnover turnover prone. Um, he threw that pick six against Florida, and then right after the Bulls got an interception in the end zone, up four late in the game, he threw another pick in in his own territory uh, that allowed Florida to kind of get new life and get a short field and retake the lead, uh, even though. You know, Gary Bohan almost had a game-winning drive uh, conducted there in the in the fourth quarter, but bad couple bad snaps uh, that that put you know South Florida on the fringe of field goal range, and then a bad snap on the field goal itself that still almost went in and forced overtime. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, Blake Shapen being Baylor's quarterback. Uh, I, I I really liked um, Seth Jones, by the way, I I wasn't you know a couple. You know there's some couple key offensive weapons out. Cole Maxwell is also out. I think he's going to be out for a little while uh, longer, but um you yeah, I thought, know I thought Seth Jones did a nice job on the receiving slot to to step up and, and make some make some key plays uh, some key catches. I think he had a huge catch on the uh, the opening touchdown drive for Baylor where he kind of just it was kind of overthrown and he was able to extend you know use his full wingspan and, and pull that ball in.
0: Hopefully he'll be able to keep it up. He had, he had two catches for 28 yards, but like you said, a big catch on the first drive, and we're going to need someone to step up with Monterey Baldwin out.
1: He also had the catch that was reversed and, and overturned
0: uh, as well. Got it, got it. Baylor's next game this Saturday in Ames against Iowa State, starting Big 12 play It's going to be a big one. Baylor should be favored. But you never know with Big 12 games on the road. Absolutely. In the next segment, we're going to turn to the Big 12 and where the conference stands right now, how Baylor can compete in this conference, and and who we think will be strong contenders to win the Big 12. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. In segment two, we're going to be talking about the state of the Big Twelve and all of the different Big Twelve teams who Baylor will have to play this season. First, I'm gonna I'm gonna just give us a rundown of how the Big Twelve teams did yesterday, starting with Kansas, who knocked off Houston 48 to 30 and improves to three and zero. This is the first time ever Kansas, Duke, UNC and UCLA are or no, Kansas, Duke, UNC and Kentucky start each of their seasons 3 and 0. Some basketball blue bloods performing on the football field. That's incredible. Texas Tech lost to number 16, lost at number 16 at NC State 27 to 14. Oklahoma State destroyed Arkansas Pine Bluff 63 to 7. Texas beat UTSA 41 to 20, but it was a tight one for a little bit, for a while. For a while. Kansas State took a loss to Tulane 17 to 10, which was which was a shocker. Iowa State beat Ohio 43 to 10. Oklahoma stomped Nebraska 49 to 14 and West Virginia dominated Towson 65-7. to TCU had a bye, and obviously Baylor beat Texas State. Which of those games most stood out to you? Uh,
1: most, most stood out to me. I think it was Oklahoma beating Nebraska. They, they went down quickly, 7 nothing, in an emotionally charged environment down in Lincoln, and then they reeled off, you know, I, I think – six straight scores or something like that um to really just leave no doubt and assert their dominance and they looked like a well-oiled machine now i think nebraska we all know you know, not not very good um just going through the coaching change uh but to see the response after letting up that that first score and uh you know oklahoma looked like an oklahoma team you know of, of the past uh type type deal um, if if that makes sense, right? They're supposed to go in there and destroy a lesser Nebraska team, and they, you know, they absolutely, they absolutely did, and they didn't leave any doubt. They didn't play play around for even a half. Um, it was over by
0: halftime. Obviously, their opponent, Nebraska, is quite the opposite of a well well oiled machine, but it it was impressive how thoroughly Oklahoma dominated Nebraska, especially considering. How close Nebraska has played teams. Granted Scott Frost isn't there anymore, but it I, I see I see why you were impressed with them. I think the one that stood out to me was Kansas putting up forty eight points on Houston. Kansas is yeah. they're not they're not just like a like a sneaky good team anymore. I think they're actually a good team. I yeah, think I think, the, he, I think Kansas is going to be a contender for at least a good part of this big 12 season i think they'll pick up they already have one big 12 win over west virginia and i think they'll pick up a couple more their their offense is actually really good they have a couple of transfer running backs who are if i recall correctly four-star recruits and they're 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 a good team and even Texas Tech who lost to NC State. They lost to a really good NC State team and it wasn't it wasn't a bad loss. They only lost 27 to 14. It wasn't they didn't really have a chance to win the game, but they stayed in it. Um I this this Big 12 is going to be really good this year. It's the most complete conference in college football.
1: Yeah, I'll agree with you. You've kind of been banging that drum on a few weeks, and I, I tend to agree. I think top to bottom, I definitely would, would say it's the most complete conference. Um, I think your your Big Tens and SECs are the most power-heavy leagues with the best teams, but Big 12, all 10 teams, um, anybody can beat anybody, uh, I think, on any given Saturday, Um Kansas was really good. I think the one other surprising result we have to mention is is Kansas State lost to Tulane at home, seventeen to ten. They only mustered ten points against Tulane. Uh yeah that that was that was kind of surprising, especially after Kansas State walloped Missouri, um, you know last last week like forty to six. So um, that was interesting. But you know uh, uh, Oklahoma Oklahoma State, Baylor, all taking care of business. Texas. Um, UTSA is a good team you know they took they took Houston to three overtimes at home they beat Army on the road in overtime Um, it was no surprise that to me that the Roadrunners were hanging close um, against the Longhorns but ultimately it was just a couple plays that allowed Texas to kind of put some space put some distance between the two and I don't know. You know, you talked about favorites. You know, we're only 3 weeks in. Most of that's non-conference. So conference play hasn't even really started yet. Uh Kansas leads is is first place in the Big 12 because they have the only conference win uh against West Virginia who West Virginia looks like an all-right team too, but who would you say is kind of in you know, as they're jockeying for position, which teams do you like now uh to go to the Big 12? I think you liked Oklahoma Baylor at the beginning of the season. That's looking like a real good Pick, do you still like those teams or um, or are there any other dark horses that emerged for you?
0: I still like Baylor as the best team of the conference, especially if we get back Khalil Keith and Ben Sims. I think Baylor's defense is very good and Baylor's offense is going to be very good if, if we get those guys back. Um, sure. Oklahoma, go ahead.
1: No, I just said sure.
0: Oklahoma. I still think is a good team, of course, but I'm still not sold on them as the favorite to win the Big 12 because I'm not sold on Dylan Gabriel. They dominated Nebraska yesterday, but even so, Dylan Dylan Gabriel didn't have a spectacular game. He had three total touchdowns, but his passing stats he only threw he only completed 16 passes on 27 attempts which was under 60% completion percentage for 230 yards and two touchdowns so he was good but he wasn't spectacular against a nebraska team that isn't very good and it's just kind of how he's played against good or power 5 teams throughout his career in the AAC, he didn't play too many actually good teams. But when he did, his his numbers and his performances weren't that great. The, the t- both times he played Cincinnati, he completed 54 and then 53% of his passes um, with four touchdowns and four picks over the two games. When he played Louisville, he played well against Louisville. I'll give him that. Um, but other than that, he when he played BYU in 2020... Forty-six point seven percent completion, two seventeen yards in a big loss. I I'm just not too sold on Oklahoma. I, I'm. I think Oklahoma State has a shot to make the Big Twelve. And then you mentioned sleepers. Kansas is my sleeper man. Kansas is legit.
1: Yeah. What about what about Iowa State? Iowa State seems like they could potentially be a sleeper. They <clears throat> They went and, and dominated Ohio, uh, forty-three to ten. They beat they beat Iowa um, as well for the first time in the Matt Campbell era, and they are, you know, they're three and zero. You know, <clears throat> uh, with with an FCS win, a win in Kennick at Iowa, which is very difficult to do, and then blowing out Ohio. And they, you know, <clears throat> unless I'm looking at this wrong, yeah, they have the best defense in 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 the Big 12 only allowing 9 points 9 points per game on average and they're only giving up um 60 rushing yards per game and about 174 passing yards per game so that could be a um <clears throat> you know that's that's who Baylor opens with next week and I think that could definitely be uh a dog fight that'll be a defensive defensive battle and you know Baylor Iowa State over the past few years has has been, you know, the, one of those games that just goes right down to the finish. I think I think Iowa State could be interesting, especially if uh, uh if their quarterback can keep keep up the pace and once he enters Big 12 play.
0: This Iowa State Baylor game is going to be a big one for sure. It's going to show us a lot about both teams. And I agree about Iowa State being a good team if Hunter Deckers can Keep playing well, and I was high on Hunter Decker's coming into the college football season. I think he's a really good quarterback, who's a highly touted recruit. He has he has really good arm talent. Um, some of the throws he makes are really impressive um, throws that not everyone can make, and that makes them a legit threat. I just don't think that they're at the same level as Baylor, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, Matt Campbell is a really good coach, and we're going to find out a lot about him this season. Um, so yeah, for sure they they could do some things, but I don't see them being consistent enough throughout the Big Twelve season to actually make the championship game. And and to your point about them being the best defense so far, I think that's a it's kind of a product of them playing the worst Power Five offense in Iowa. And
1: then to yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. But I, I do find that interesting. What right now, Iowa State and Baylor ranked first ranked first and third respectively in the Big Twelve. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, for rushing yards allowed, uh, with Iowa State only giving up sixty per game and Baylor giving up uh, eighty four rushing yards per game. So Baylor is only you know no team has rushed for over eighty seven yards. Um, against Baylor this year for more than 87 yards this year so far. And and Iowa State looks pretty good, too. But, yeah, I think their competition's been a little bit weaker than, than Baylor. But it'll be interesting to see the strength, uh, you know, a, a strength versus strength. You know, Iowa State's run defense versus the four, four-headed running back monster of, of
0: Baylor. Baylor's got a lot of things to take care of in Big 12 play. They got... A lot of big games, especially big road games, and it's going to take running the table to make the college football playoff, which as at this point, obviously, is very far down the line after that loss at BYU, but the road is still there. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment, how Baylor can still make the college football playoff and where they stand in the CFP race as of right now. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Bears Illustrated podcast. Now, let's talk about Baylor's road to the college football playoff. This would have been a lot more interesting of a discussion if Baylor had beaten BYU last week, but it's still there. Just one loss, and with what's all happening in college football right now, with the number of teams that are taking losses this early in the season, it's still a very real possibility. BYU did lose yesterday at Oregon, which could make things better or worse, depending on how the college football committee looks at it. Because it, it likes it likely drops BYU out of the race for a playoff bid together because they're not going to have a conference title and as a team that only plays a limited number of power five teams when you lose to one of them especially in the fashion that they did it, it, the chances really have gone away um it does decrease the quality of Baylor's loss but it also now now Baylor can be ranked over BYU because if BYU had run the table they would have gotten in over Baylor and now maybe Baylor gets in over BYU if it, if it comes down to that kind of debate. Um, and there were a lot more Power 5 teams that got upset or that struggled. Like Miami, number 13, took their first loss at a after a lost last week. Wake Forest escaped by the skin of their teeth to Liberty. Arkansas was struggling for a while against Missouri State before eventually pulling away. We mentioned Florida was down at home late to South Florida. Ended up winning by three. Number eleven Michigan State lost at Washington, in kind of a blowout loss throughout the game. Ended up being a little closer. So team, teams are taking losses, Andrew.
1: Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I think it would have been a little. Bit, this conversation would be a little bit more interesting if BYU had beaten Oregon, uh, on on the road there. You know, Oregon came out and you know, they they've been slanderized uh so much um since their loss to Georgia and kind of just ridden ridden off. Um but they scored over seventy points in week two and and then they they completely demolished the um the cougars there. So uh, the top the top ten teams really showed no no struggle. Teams one through nine, um Uh, or one through eight, just all blowouts. Kentucky was on a bye at at number, number nine. Arkansas struggled in the return of, of Bobby Petrino. Uh, They needed some late, late heroics punt return and um, to, to beat, to beat them. Uh, And then that's where it got dicey, you know, teams 11, 12, 13. So all lost. Um, So Michigan state, uh, Miami at 13, and whoever was 12. I just had it up here. Um, BYU. BYU, of course. Uh, So it'll be interesting. In terms of Baylor's path to the CFP, yeah, run run the table, win the the Big 12 championship. I think a two-loss team is probably on the outside looking in. Um, But it'll be interesting to continue to watch and see what BYU does. They do have Notre Dame and Arkansas. to play and it'll be interesting to see how the powers of the Big 10 and the SEC continue to um you know pro- progress. I think I think Michigan and Ohio State are the best teams in the Big 10 and I think um uh Georgia, Alabama are the best teams in the SEC. Um so I could definitely see a, a case where all four of those teams are undefeated heading into the last week of the season, Michigan and Ohio State play each other, so One of those teams will only have one loss. And then Georgia and Alabama potentially meet in the SEC title game as unbeatens, Um, meaning, you know, one of those teams will be undefeated and the other team will have one loss in the championship game to the number one team in the country, potentially. Uh, BYU, again, depends what they do. Um, Baylor would have to run the table. And then I think it'll be interesting to see what Oregon and Utah do in ed, as well as USC in the, in the PAC 12. And then Clemson is currently number five. They've, they've been looking, looking good. So it'll be interesting to see if anybody can stop them in the ACC. Um, you know, they, they Clemson and Wake Forest play next weekend. Uh, so we'll, we'll learn a lot about, you know, how good is Clemson and, and, you know, Wake Forest is probably Wake Forest, maybe Florida state, Maybe Pitt are kind of the ACC teams that could stop Clemson. Um, so we'll, we'll learn a lot about just how is you know Clemson heads and tails above the rest of the ACC. Um, but it's it's interesting. I think Pac-12 continues to have a great season. Uh, after after week one, they had really good week two and a really good week um, week three. You know, they beat teams. You know, Washington beat Michigan State. Oregon beat BYU. Utah has scored uh, 10, 15 touchdowns uh, since they lost in the Swamp. So, um, you know, I, I, think, I think the teams out West, BYU and, and the Pac-12, um, might have an inside track, at least at this point, versus, uh, you know, a Baylor, a Baylor team, um, if everything were to remain status quo. But I think we all know that's, that's definitely not going to happen.
0: I actually think BYU's chances have vanished. I think they would have had to go undefeated to make it because of, they only play five power five teams, and you got the schedule is just not there for them to have a loss and make it. But you're absolutely right about the Pac-12. You have Oregon, who has one loss, and it's to Georgia, who right now yep. looks like the clear-cut best team in the country, even above an Alabama or an Ohio State. You have Utah, who lost at Florida. I think that if Utah were the one to run the table, I think Baylor would get in over them if that was was the debate. Um, Because I think Florida will take a couple more losses, who Utah lost to. And then USC is undefeated and looks good. So we'll obviously have to see. But the way things are going this season, I I just have a feeling that teams are going to continue to take losses. I I really doubt there's going to be – a bunch of one-loss teams standing there. And it seems like this might be the season that a two-loss team makes the playoff. It certainly won't be Baylor if Baylor has two losses. But I could see, I don't know, a two-loss Alabama making it. Um, it, it could be that year just with the, the volume of losses and, and the fact that teams are struggling. Like Alabama obviously struggled against Texas. Arkansas just struggled against mm. Missouri State. We'll have to see if Clemson – are we we'll have to see how good Clemson is. That's the wild card right now, probably. Other than that, I don't see anyone who – you're going to have one team from the SEC, one team from the Big Ten, and unless you have, like, a dominant second team in either of those conferences, which right now Ohio State and Alabama don't look that dominant. So – I think it'll be up those last two spots will be up for grabs
1: well, Ohio State scored seventy seven points yesterday, and Michigan has scored over fifty points in the first in their first three games of the season, I think for the first time ever so i i would I would say they definitely have looked dominant um but I, I think I get get your point um they're probably not going to play all four of those teams in the playoff you know they'll they'll probably eliminate at least one of those four will be eliminated just with. With head-to-head, um,
0: well, the reason, know, like, well, the reason I say Ohio State doesn't look dominant is because they sh- they legitimately struggled with Notre Dame, and Notre Dame does not look like a good football team. They lost to Marshall last week, obviously, and then they were in a battle with Cal this weekend, and Cal is not a good Pac-12 team. So I don't, right. I. I I think that right now Michigan looks like the best team in the Big Ten with JJ McCarthy starting. And I yeah, I don't know. I don't see unless Ohio State takes it to another level, which could certainly happen. As of right where things stand right now, I don't see two teams from either of those conferences making it. Really? Even if uh, Alabama I, I, I think from the Big Ten
1: I would agree with you. And also, Penn State's looking pretty good out of the out of the Big Ten. Penn um, State
0: is looking good.
1: So, so, so the, the Big Ten East is loaded. Nobody from the West is going to do anything, you know. Even if Minnesota, like Minnesota, looks looks good, but Wisconsin does not look good. Minnesota probably looks like the best team in the Big Ten West at this point. Uh, Big Ten East, it's Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan. Um, those are the best teams. I would I would think only one of those teams make the college football playoff, but. The, the more argument and just because we've seen it before, right? We've seen two years where Georgia and Alabama have both gone to the C F P and played in the national title game. I I would tend to think if both of those teams are undefeated in the SEC championship game, because I don't think they play each other in the regular season, then then the committee would, you know, would potentially put one of them one one and four or something like that um
0: yeah for sure i guess i'm more saying, saying that to, i don't I, I don't think that i don't think alabama is going to be undefeated going into the sec championship game okay
1: that's that's fair
0: but yeah of course of course it's possible that they both go in undefeated and then
1: yeah i think if that happens right then then the committee probably puts both of them in because they just love the sec um but those two teams do look like you know just from eye test, like the top four um I I'm I'm very curious to see what the Pac-12 does. I'm very curious to see how BYU's season plays out because they they looked a little lesser against Oregon, so I doubt I see them running the table. Um uh, and and I don't think the second loss kills Baylor. I think if Baylor's only losses are if, if 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 the season implodes as as you suggested it might and which we tend to see happen uh for a two two loss team to get in. Um, I could totally see Baylor Baylor there as a two loss team with losses in double overtime on the road in Provo and a close loss in Norman type thing and then avenge their loss against Oklahoma to beat Big 12 champions um, to to sneak into the college football playoff. But that would be, I mean, that's a minute possibility. You would need some, some complete chaos to occur if, if that were to happen. But Really, that's a long way out. And I think you just have to take it week by week by week. But I'm happy to see the Pac-12 as, as relevant. Yeah, it's nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, Baylor's got to take care of business in Ames first. But the road is there. The road is there. There's a lot of big games on the schedule, a lot of ranked teams in the Big 12.
1: If if App State – ah oh God – if that, if App State had been UNC, then I'd be pounding the drum for an undefeated team <laughs> to get in there, man. Uh, I know we we were we were actually on the phone together when when uh, it happened. happened and, and that was just totally unexpected, wild,
0: crazy, yeah.
1: That man, was... put stayed in the playoff. That's that's what <laughs> I want. I want App State in the playoff.
0: I don't know about the playoff, but put them in, put them in your six full. Absolutely, that's, that's what the country wants to see. That's what that's what everybody needs. That is that's what everybody needs. We're gonna get a heck of a game if App State's playing a big boy. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening, and let us know if you have any questions, please. <laughs>